It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Uh oh. Here comes trouble. <laughs> Hey, what's up? This is Tom Segura, and you're listening to Izzy Rock on the Tales from the Hard Side podcast. Hey, this is Brendan Walsh, and you're listening to Izzy Rock on Tales from the Hard Side. Hey, These are tales from the hard side, painted so vivid Kicking real life stories, not woven or knitted Izzy Rock brings that rawness to all who listen Dropping heavy knowledge, knowledge and sharing some wisdom Going down that rough road only makes you tougher It's a beautiful struggle, sometimes we suffer Let the people know, you aren't in this alone This talk is deep, it cuts down to the bone No fakeness here, this as real as it gets Hazardous on the mic, kick it live and direct Spread that vibe everywhere, all across the globe The idea's real simple, that's no secret code Reach out to the people, spread that positive energy Cause we're all looking for a little bit of serenity Whatever little part of this planet you live in These tales from the hard side are now transmitting Transmitting Hello everyone and welcome to episode 283 of the Tales from the Hard Side podcast being released on August 7th, 2017. It's a Monday. I hope you guys are enjoyed your weekend and the upcoming week that you're ready for it, whatever you're tackling this week, whatever you're accomplishing. I accomplished a few things and I want to talk about those for a minute and recap my week. So let's do this. I finished Ozark. If you guys haven't seen the show Ozark on Netflix, I highly recommend it. If you like Breaking Bad, it's sort of like Breaking Bad, except it takes place in Missouri, in the Missouri Ozarks. It is a fantastic show. Um, it is. It has Jason Bateman who um, he has been in tons of great stuff over the years. Uh, But it's a Chicago-based financial advisor secretly relocates his family to the Missouri Ozarks when his dealings with a drug cartel go awry. Um, It's great. Laura Linney's in it as well. Jason Bateman directs some of the episodes, and it is fantastic. Go check it out. It's only 10 episodes. Yeah, so there you go. Go check it out. I also finished Rick and Morty Season 1. And love it. Love it. I'm, I want to get through all the seasons because they do go back sometimes and talk about stuff that happens in previous episodes. So I want to be able to... And I watched most of Season 1 before. I just didn't watch it from the beginning. So now I'm going to start Season 2. And move on from that. Game of Thrones. No spoilers here, but man, 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 man. Episode four of season seven. It's called The Spoils of War. You got dragons, you got battle scenes. It's amazing. One of my favorite episodes so far. That last 10 or 15 minutes ruled. Um, This week, if you guys have HBO... If if you watch Game of Thrones, you probably have HBO, or you might use Cody. Um, but the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, my favorite football team, NFL team, is going to be on Hard Knocks on HBO this upcoming Tuesday at 10 p.m. And it was funny. Um, I've been listening to a lot of Buccaneers podcasts. There's a lot more out there than there has been in previous years. And I came across this podcast called Bucks Uncensored and it's with Justin Pulaski and he used to be a radio DJ down in Tampa uh, left radio and then eventually started his own podcast called Bucks Uncensored where it's basically him doing 
a recap of of the team or talking about something and then he plays voicemails basically uh from excited fans and it they organize this event uh the fans that he has of the show they're called stick carriers and they all came out to this draft party this past spring and then they organized this training camp takeover that got talked about on all these NFL programs and uh, mentioned on various Buccaneers websites, including Buccaneers.com. So I am super excited for football. I, this is the most excited I've been for um, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in many years. I have a Tampa Bay Bucks tattoo, guys. Um, part of my studio here has tons of Tampa Bay Bucks stuff. So uh, I remember going to a Monday night football game in 2003 after they had won the Super Bowl and it was the first time that the uh, Indianapolis Colts were coming back with head coach Tony Dungy. It was Monday night. I went with one of my wife's family um, family members. We went and we had a great time. My son was a, a my son Zach who's now 14. He was a child at the time a, a, I mean a baby months old. And then my youngest son, obviously, I, he was too young to go and appreciate it. So uh, I went with uh, with my wife's family member and had a great time up until the last two minutes of the game. The Indianapolis Colts, who had Peyton Manning as their quarterback, came back, scored like three touchdowns, and then... It went in overtime, and the Colts won in overtime, and it's considered one of the greatest games of all time in NFL history, um, and I was there, and it was rough. I was so depressed. I realized I had taken football way too seriously at, at that point, and it was after after that season that I stopped taking it as seriously as I had been. I, I, I used to be pretty obsessed with watching um, football. I used to play Madden all the time. Used to before I had a computer, before I had access to go on Buccaneers.com. One of my favorite things to do was go over a family member's house. If we went over a family member's house for dinner, uh, it was my wife's grandparents, and they had a computer, and it was slow AOL dial-up, and you, I got on, and I was able to see Buccaneers news, and I was so excited. Um, because when I was a fan and when they won the Super Bowl, I, all the coverage wasn't there like it would be now with all these podcasts and radio shows and TV shows and YouTube and just all sorts of content out there. It was pretty much ESPN at the time. I'm not sure if NFL Network was around then. Maybe it was. I'm not sure though. But anyway, so yeah, so for this week, it was cool to see a podcast organize this event and have all these people from all over the world and all over the country come out for this event. And it's pretty cool to see. Um, speaking of football, my son, Zach, he's, he has two a days. He's trying to be the starting freshman strong side linebacker. And he's a, he's a talented kid. He's passionate. He's athletic. And I think he's going to succeed this year. I think he's going to have a, a pretty good season. His team's going to have a pretty good season. But I, when he was with this group called the Wee Bolts, uh, because his high school is the Thunderbolts, um, so the Wee Bolts were first through sixth grade. And I've made football intros where I announce the kids' names and put music behind it and put it on a disc that they can take to each game and it plays it so it's like me announcing everybody's names and it's a process and so that's a kind of a side hustle I got going on and I'm busy doing that this week yesterday I had to do two of them and it took me a couple hours to do but they're fun to do and um I enjoyed it so so I did that. So my life is being consumed with football and shopping. We had a no sales tax weekend 
in Ohio for this past weekend, which is only seven cents per dollar that you're you're getting off. So you're not really saving that much. But people thought uh, my, my buddy Mitch Nutter said it perfectly, or Nate, whatever. Uh, he said it perfectly that when if you had a sale at Target, seven percent off sale at Target, would you rush to Target or Walmart? Um, 30 miles away to go save money on this sale and because you're going to pay it in gas. Well, we happen to be in Columbus to celebrate my wife's uncle's 75th birthday. We went and um, drove up there, had a great lunch and, and dinner, and then we went shopping. We took advantage of uh, going to some of the malls and some of the outlet malls since we were we were already up there. We took care of all the school stuff. By the way, do you guys remember the brand Champion? When I was younger, Champion was something that they sold at Kmart, and if you wore, you got made fun of. It was not cool clothes to wear. That stuff is like in mall stores as cool clothes to wear. My son actually bought a Champion backpack. Who knew? They made a comeback. Their brand made a comeback. It always surprises me when a brand makes a comeback and becomes cool again. Uh, and maybe, in my mind, uh, maybe I'm wrong that some brands, they're, they're cool in certain parts of the world or certain people's minds, like Adidas. I swear I think Adidas went out of the public consciousness kind of after Corn had wore, you know, that whole rap metal stuff. All those guys had wore like Adidas track suits and stuff like that. And then you didn't see that stuff for a while. You didn't see people wearing Adidas. But all throughout my life, like Adidas has been a big thing. Run DMC had a song called My Adidas. Like for me, shoes and, and brands of clothes were a big deal growing up because I had to wear generic clothes um, because that's all we could afford. Uh, and that's takes away nothing from how my mom raised me because I did have clothes. But it, I also went to school where if you wore clothes that didn't have a name brand, you got ridiculed. You got made fun of for the type of shoes, the type of pants. Like anything that you wore was open season on bullying. All this safe space and political correctness stuff that's going on right now, I got brutally, brutally bullied because of how I looked and the clothes I wore. And so I'm super conscious about allowing my my kids to be able to dress the way that they want within reason. And so my son, Zach, he's been working. And so he's he told us, he said, I want to buy my own school clothes. Uh, he doesn't get paid until the season's over, which is in like a week or two, so... He said, you guys take me out school shopping, let me buy my clothes, and I'll pay you back. Obviously, we're not going to let him go crazy and buy like $300 pair of shoes or any bullshit like that. But, you know, the the clothes he picked out, he asked us for advice, like, how do you think this looks? But for the most part, he picks out what he wants. And he definitely is more into the hip-hop scene and more into dressing um fashionable and he he's confident in his looks he's confident in his his ability on a field or a court his uh, athletic ability um he actually just got his test scores back and he he is um really really intelligent when it comes to math when it comes to reading in english not so much but with uh, with math, the kid is killing it. So, but anyway, yeah, school's come coming up here in a couple of weeks. We did back back to school shopping a little bit for clothes. It was great seeing family. Um, it was great seeing my mom last week. Uh, I had I forgot to talk about that. I got to go see my mom. Um, I need to see her more often, definitely for sure. But anyway. So that's that's all I had to talk about, guys. That's all I had to talk about. I want to attach to this podcast a podcast I did with a group called Hexadiode. 
Um, and Hexadiode is they formed in 2014, and they are from the bleak industrial abandoned factory city of Dayton, Ohio, in the Midwest of the USA. They deliver a creative burst of energy amongst the drab landscape from which they were born. A hardware-only electro-industrial dance act that dabbles in art damage, experimental tendencies. Hexadiode are committed to producing an old-school EBM dynamic Wow, uh, with a forward-thinking 21st century approach. So I'm going to feature Hexadiode. Uh, Jonas and Tim were great dudes to chat with, and um, we don't... So the... The music will come towards the end. If you don't like it, just fast forward. Fast forward. Conversation's pretty cool. These guys are pretty cool. I enjoyed talking to them quite a bit. And uh, so here it is. Here is uh, this week. I'll, I'll featuring something I did with Jump City Podcast, the Storyteller episode with Hexadiode. You guys take care of yourselves. Love you. Enjoy the rest of the summer. And... Uh, August is here. I have a son who turns 18 this month. How crazy is that? He went and see he went to see the latest Spider-Man. This was his fourth time seeing it. He went to the drive-in by himself with not by himself, but with two of his friends. Uh his friend Dylan and his Dylan's girlfriend um because Christian the girl that he asked to go couldn't go. So they took the van and went to the drive-in and they came back. They went to the late, they didn't go to both movies. They went to the late movie, but it was cool that he, that he did that. So, but anyway, here is Hexadiode. Welcome in to the Gem City Podcast, a podcast about Dayton for Dayton. Check out this and all past episodes online at GemCityPodcast.com. You can also listen to the Gem City Podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. Please rate, review, and subscribe. Follow Gem City Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Gem City Podcast is brought to you by Folio Design House, Epic Life Fitness, and Venus Child Productions. Now let's get to it with this episode of the Gem City Podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome to this Storyteller Podcast. I'm Izzy Rock. I'm one of the hosts and producers for the Gym City Podcast. And we release these Storyteller Podcasts every Wednesday. They feature all different musical artists from all different genres. And today we're sitting here with two gentlemen from the band Hexadiode. Um, go ahead and introduce yourselves first and last names because, I mean, <laughs> let's be honest, you guys have uh, a long history in the Dayton music scene. And there's only two of us, so it'll take more time. That's right. Uh, I'm Tim Krug. I'm Jonas Misa. And what's up, man? So, let's uh, exodiode. I've been wanting to get you guys on for a while. Um, and I'm sure as this podcast goes on, we'll, uh, we'll touch on past musical history in the Dayton area. Um, but let's talk about exodiode. How, how, where did the name come from? And how did the band get started? Um, we were, J- he, we were playing in a Dementia Precox, yes. um, doing some kind of reunion memorial kind of shows, and he just kept writing more songs, and it seemed weird to just keep having it be Dementia Precox because that was, you know, be Jen's band. Yes. And uh, so at some point we just kind of. St- Kind of took a break from that and just kept writing things and started the new new act, new band. Yeah, yeah. Um, with Eric too. Yeah, Eric Purtle. He's great. Uh, Dark Backward was in here and it was one of the most legendary podcasts that we ever did. Those guys. <laughs> I'm sure, it was. <laughs> Eric, give, give Eric a microphone and, and a bag he's a legend, dude. He's a garbage bag. bag full of beer. Yeah. There's um, a great story about him getting a garbage bag full of beer after what, like the first Exodio show or something. Maybe second. I think it was the first one. A garbage bag full of beer. To go. Yeah. Yeah. To go. From Canal Street. Yeah. <laughs> hey, will you move uh, move up just a bit? Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, you're good. So, um, you know, as I 
talked about, you guys have been in, in the music community for a while and, uh, Dementia Precox was a band that for, for many is uh, a very influential band in this area. Right. Even, um, even for our time. Yeah. Really. But so how, how did you guys get started in the music scene? And are you guys from originally from the area? I got started playing my first show at the talent show when I was in seventh grade. <laughs> and then well, my first gig at Caesars Creek Flea Market when I was 13. What, what, uh, what's, <laughs> what, what middle school? That was Bethel. Actually. Ah, nice. And it was before I was at, I ended up at Butler, but yeah, I was at Bethel at the time. Nice, nice. Yeah, so I played a cover of You Are an Obsession by In Motion. So, played drums and sang. Nice. I, uh, I don't know. I was in a couple of kind of bands in like junior high and high school, but played a couple of house party kind of things. Like somebody's parents were out of town and we were just like a punk band. I just sang back then. Uh, but then I started a band called Ape Revival, probably 2001-ish with some other guys from, uh, my friend Shane from high school and some other guys that he knew, another guy from high school. And you, uh, did you grow up in the Dayton area? Yeah, we're uh, from Beaver Creek. Nice. Now, what was your first exposure to the Dayton music scene? Like, wh where was some of the first <clears throat> places you went and saw shows at? Uh, there used to be this really cool club in Beaver Creek by my house, kind of called the Palace Club. Yeah, Clutch played there. I saw Clutch there. Yeah, saw um, that too. Saw yeah. bands like Slant Six and Big Bikini Kill play there and Sebado and like there were, there were yeah. shows there like I feel like there shows there almost every night and I would just skateboard up there and I don't think I was really allowed in there. I was too young, but nobody cared. They just let me in anyways. Yeah, that's how I got started. I think it's probably also how they stopped having shows there is because they were letting all these kids in that weren't supposed to be in a bar. Yeah. I was getting getting into the building lounge when I was probably 16, 17 and seeing all kinds of old school, old school punk bands and stuff. Local bands too, like GBV before they were big and Dementia Precox. And of course, you know, later on we all got into Brainiac and bands yeah. like that. But, um, yeah, so sneaking into clubs, I was sneaking into the 1470, like dark alternative night when I was underage. I don't know if it was so much sneaking in or just people worked the door that knew me. It must be. They wouldn't let me in. I couldn't get in there. Yeah. I could get in the back of the Chameleon Club in like the back room. That was like oh, an all-ages okay. venue. Um, that's all a ton of bands at, but I couldn't get into like... I think Fugazi played like an actual club instead of the back room. Right. So that was kind of weird for Fugazi to play like a 21 and up show or something, but I didn't go. Yeah, I mean... Sneaking in the, to 1470 is definitely an influence on what we're doing now. Because I remember back then I'd hear like Skinny Puppy and Front 242 and stuff. I'd be like, what is this music? This is insane. I was like 17 years old. I'd never heard anything quite like a Skinny Puppy track at the time. I was like, wow, this is amazing. And right. speaking of that music and your your influences, what... What was the first piece of music that you bought with your own money, whether it's tape, CD, whatever? <laughs> I, um, I remember these of these Columbia House yeah. things where you'd send away like a penny and they'd give you like a box of tapes. And uh, I did that. I don't remember what all I got. It was a bunch of grunge stuff. It was like early 90s. So it was like Temple of the Dog and Soundgarden and like Green River, Mud Honey and all those bands. And, uh, then of course, then they're like, "Well, now you owe us like a million dollars." I was like, "Dude, I'm only 13. I'm not paying you anything. Like, <laughs> there's no contract. You can't have a contract with a 13 year old kid." <laughs> yeah. So they just was like, "Oh, okay." I just kept the tapes. And that's funny. There you go. Yeah, I remember this answer this question well because I just talked about this to somebody recently. That it was when I played Caesar Creek Flea Market. I, I was 13. We went in to shop. I bought uh, Sex Pistols. Never mind the Bullocks. Yeah, and great. Plasmatics Coup d'État which still is one of my favorite records. Those are my first like real purchases as a, on my own as a teen, like going somewhere and buying them with money other than like my dad or mom or dad buying me a record, you know? So, yeah. So what, what were some of the places that you guys would go, um, to get records and stuff when you were teens? Uh, mostly like Trader Vic's, I guess for me, um, 
just down on Brown Street. Yeah, great, great spot. Um, of course, Omega has been around forever. Yeah, uh, it was Gym City Records back in the day. Gym City Records. What, there was a place called like Aardvark or something. Aardvark, yeah. I vaguely remember it, but yeah. Do you remember Goldenrod on Main, Main Street? Even uh, Spud City out in Huber Heights was a little record store. Yeah, that we would stop at. Somebody was telling me the other day that Headquarters Music still exists. Yes, it does. In headquarters New Music. Oh, Headquarters. And wow, they still really? have like the wow. same exact, this is all cassette tapes and really? stuff they've And waterbeds. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. They had waterbeds. <laughs> yeah. And bongs. That's right. Water bongs and waterbeds. Hey, they could agree together. Like <laughs> Probably water bugs. Water bugs, uh, yeah. So, um, so what were some of your, like, how did you start getting into the type of music that you're playing. I know you talked about going into 1470 and hearing, hearing it, but let's talk about it. How, how your style developed. Um, I mean, back then, like in the nineties, I guess early mid nineties, I was doing a lot of electronic stuff on my own. Like I'd gotten really into like apex twin and, uh, like Autiker. It was kind of weird because before that I would hear like techno and just hated it, mm-hmm. hated it. And then somebody, Played me a tape of some Apex Twin tracks. It's like, all right, I'm into this. It, yeah, I'm hesitant to even call them techno. Him techno well, it's it's yeah. not, but back then that's just but that's there the was label, techno, yeah. and then there was this kind of weird new stuff, and uh, so they got really into that, and I would just I would take these like weird fi- like files on my computer, my parents' computer, like a uh, like MS Paint, and like found out that you could like open it up as a WAV file. And I would just like play snippets of that and just be like a static and weird burst. I got just became obsessed with weird sounds and I just looped them and make tracks out of things that weren't supposed to be music. Um, and around that time I got really into bands like Nine Inch Nails and Skinny Puppy and Ministry and and that's all of the things that I can list right now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when I first heard like that kind of music or whatever this kind of music is we're playing I'm hesitant to label it but weird electronic music as when I was younger I thought it was I, I couldn't even get my mind around how it would be made so I thought I'd love to make that but it seemed out of reach in, in my past like ability to comprehend how it would be created you know I thought how do they do this? It's like insane sounding. You know? So I thought this was an intellectual level of music that I <laughs> probably couldn't do. You know, down the road, of course, I learned about synthesizers and met Tim, who showed me a lot. But kind of get into the creation, the sausage making, as we like to call it, behind the scenes of he creating. Likes, he likes to call it that. Well, <laughs> me and Eric like to oh, call yeah. it that. Yeah. I think Eric Pearl like just would he would get so bored because we'd just be sitting around like making weird sounds and he's like oh, play guitar man <laughs> yeah because we make all our sounds essentially from scratch mm-hmm. we don't use like preset sounds so oh wow it's a lot of diving in and building sounds what so. well how how do they get developed like do, do you go out and record tra- uh, trash can like how, how, what's the process no you just it's, okay. it's mostly synthesized like we like have drum synthesizers uh-huh. and and regular synthesizers uh we use samples sometimes, but it just always seems easier and more organic to just create something from scratch. And uh, it's sometimes it happens real fast. Sometimes it takes forever to yeah. get a sound that we get really obsessed with. Like you want the right sound for the song, and sometimes you can't even really write the song until you find the sound. Mm-hmm. Right, the sound will be inspirational to how the songs. Yeah, out. yeah. I mean, I've worked on a sound for hours one like not i wouldn't want to call it a hi-hat but something that fills that frequency sonically like a or a snare or something that fills that frequency sonically trying to find the right sound it can get obsessive but like tim said sometimes it's like immediate like oh it's a happy accident like that sounds great i'm gonna use that other times it's like revising revising tweaking till you get it where you want it to be What's uh What's the live process like uh, when when it comes to making music uh, with your style of music? Well, there's lots of things get sequenced. Um, like we have a drum machine that takes care of the drums, and 
usually the bass, like the bass sounds are kind of sequenced either by out of the drum machine or through my sequencer. And then the rest of it, we, we try to kind of play as much live as we have hands to do so that nobody wants to see a couple guys stand up on stage and just push a button. Yeah. yeah. Actually, actually there's people that make a lot of money doing that. Yeah. And, and I wouldn't necessarily say that's a great idea, but they're, they're like, I've seen videos of uh, guys creating a playlist at home and then basically going and pushing play and then leading a party. Yeah, they just fly around the world and stick a thumb drive in that computer. And, or, and I guess you can stick the thumb drives right in the DJ mixer things now. Yeah. Um, Definitely not our boat. I mean, no. I'm not, not going to knock anybody who does it. Right, right, we're right. We're much more into getting as much organic energy Two, into the show as possible. Too ADD for that. I mean, how can yeah. you just stand there? <laughs> I got to do something. I like, well, I'll just walk off stage. Otherwise, like, what? Go to the bathroom. I guess. Right. You can't just can't stand there and not do anything. What was your first live experience like? <clears throat> Probably chaos. <laughs> <laughs> and where where was it? Was um, it Canal Street, right? I think the first Hexadiode show was at Canal Street. Or Canal something. I don't think it was Street then. Maybe it was it may Canal Public House still. It maybe it was. been the end of Street and the beginning of Public, public House. House. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was, it was that location. Um, I think we had Lab Partners. Yeah. It was banned was from it three years ago? About. Something like that. Yeah. But we had been doing this stuff with... We kind of been doing the same thing with Dementia Precox, only with without the sequences. We just did like... You know, we had live drums, like basically the entire band, Dark Backward, and us was that dementia precox yeah. at the time. Um, but yeah, we did we did one show for some reason. Uh, Jim couldn't make the show, the dementia show, so we did it with like I made a bunch of drum machine stuff for the dementia songs, and, and that was it for me. I was hooked. I said, "Fuck this! This is how we're doing it from now on." <laughs> <laughs> and I think that was a rift actually with those guys a little bit because kind of didn't want to go totally in that direction and we kind of did so I was I wouldn't say it's a rift it was definitely a splitting of I- ideologies possibly it happens but, yeah I mean, it wasn't negative or anything it's just, right I was like this is what I want to do I want drum machine music uh, <laughs> yeah so, you know. um, so currently what are you guys listening to what like what was the last thing you played on the way over? Uh, or I just listened to Cabaret Voltaire before Tim picked me up. Actually, I was uh, I've been watching these videos. Liars have been posting these videos about their new record, and it's just like ten second snippets of weird sounds. And they right before I came down here, they had a thing like we're going to go live on Facebook Live. Like oh, they're going to announce this, the actual name of the record or play a song, and they just play more of those videos, and it kind of drove me nuts. But I don't know. That's they, what I heard. They like to keep things secretive and mysterious. Yeah, I just, which is good. Yeah, it's it's all right. <laughs> I don't understand the idea of like. I think they've announced the record's coming out in August, but they won't tell anybody what it's called yet. Like I don't mm-hmm. understand that. Like that's not exciting to me. I don't care what it's called. It's Maybe they haven't come with a name yet. Title. They've got initials. Oh. No. They're weird. Liars! If you're listening to this, <laughs> give us a title. Angus Andrew, you're too tall. Is he tall? He's like seven foot tall or something. Oh, wow. Six, seven or something. He's a very tall person. Now, you guys have uh, played in other other bands, and uh, after this we'll, we'll get to the tracks, but mm-hmm. um, let's talk about some of your other projects that you guys are either currently working on or something that maybe people might go, oh, I remember that, that band. Uh, you guys, like I said, played a part in the date music scene for a while. What would have been some of the... Um, projects that you guys have worked on or are currently working on um well tim's got like what, 10 bands right now <laughs> no I, i'm only doing the two now Down i think two, yeah. uh i've also had this band o condor which is what 8-bit revival kind of became after uh after we kept getting like after our third record we started getting these reviews like you're not a nintendo music band and that'd be the whole review like zero stars you guys are jerks I'm like well it's not we gave up we switched the name we had a new bass player or two, so kind of we just went with it. Um, in between, I've done uh, some shows playing like synthesizer with Captain of Industry, and then Nathan and I had a band called Swim Diver for a couple of years um, with Tyler from Brainiac and Burris from Me and Mountains. Oh man, what a killer songwriter! It was a fun band. 
we never really recorded anything, but it was fun. Played some shows. Uh, then I had Human Reunion, which was another kind of more electronic band. It's kind of like electronic punk. Uh, it was me and Jeremy Frederick, Alan from Who's in No Condor, and Ian Kaplan from uh, Motel Beds and the Jane Sachs band. You played in the Jane Sachs no, band? No, Ian Kaplan. Oh, was, okay. He loves it when I tell people that. Oh, he does? Yeah. Sweet. He's going to love you. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, that didn't seem like your style. No, not me. Ian, Ian did it. I didn't do it. I don't really know anything about Jane Sachs, but God bless her. Yeah, yeah, she's great. She writes songs. She writes songs. Um, I played in all kinds of bands. See, Haunting Souls. Oh, you played in Haunting Souls? Yeah. Wow. Cigarhead, drums. Man, you played in some classic ones. I, I had a Cigarhead uh, tape I bought from Trader Vic's. Okay. Yeah. I Never I saw him live. Just bought the tape because I was like, "Oh, that's a cool name." It was fun playing with Cigarhead. It was um, drums. Jeremy in. Frederick was uh, not yet out of control. Totally, he's a little out of control. But Jason Himes, dr- drums and nunchucks. Nunchucks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, who else? See, I'm tired. You ever heard of this band Dementia called Precox. You ever heard of this band called American Static? American Static, Igniters, yeah. What kind of band was the Igniters? Rock and roll. Yeah. It was Scott Bodine and myself and uh Will Gale and Andreas, Jared Emos. Uh, it, was, it was I guess you'd call it ass rock or something. It's kinda like it's the kind of show that girls throw their underwear on the microphone. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. It was a it was a cocaine fueled frenzy. <laughs> Of, uh, I mean, it was fun. I mean, we started getting some traction and stuff, but a lot of it was hot air. You know? Yeah, we were a good live band. We weren't really a band designed to make records. I don't think it was more of the party fun experience. Yeah. So, well, I always said a lot you know, through a lot of bands. Somebody want to make an ass pounding like electronic band? I'd tell that say that as a joke. Little did I know, <laughs> I'd actually do it. <laughs> I always told these guys in America, like, yeah, I want to make an ass pound like <laughs> electronic outfit. They'd be like, you're crazy. Like, I'm going to do it. <laughs> about the uh, Flesh Bats? Flesh Bats is an old school band. Yeah. Smurzel's favorite. Smurzel's obsessed with Flesh Bats, yes. We're supposed to do a reunion around the holidays, I guess, with Haunting Souls, too. Wow. So we'll see yeah. if it all pans out, but. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I, I'm in contact with Jamie, uh, Jamie Holiday, about doing uh, a podcast, just a remembrance podcast. Oh, sweet! Yeah, he's got a voice for a microphone. Yeah, that's raspy. Yeah, I wouldn't mind getting him and Eric on a podcast. Yeah, he's got check. a raspy voice too. You probably be able to tell him apart on the microphone. <laughs> Might as well get Alec Baldwin and <laughs> yeah, Will Forte in get here Ed, too. For Will Arnett too. So let's get to these tracks, and uh, if you guys want to introduce them like you would be on the radio and through the magic of post-production i will put them in there and then we'll talk about it after after the song plays this track is called hexon shift
you have a great voice for that. So, so, like, what is the process of you guys recording these songs? Like, how how's it start, and what's the song about? Oh, songs. what is this song about? Most of my songs are about societal issues and kind of like depending on what lens you want to look at it through whether it's a telescope or a magnifying glass or a fun house mirror taking and reflecting like societal ills back and upon ourselves yeah you want reflection you're one of my favorite people to follow and on facebook and pay attention to what they're saying because consciously like you put stuff out there it's like oh man oh thank he's you he's a deep thinker yeah thank you i, I yeah. like to i like to kind of get lost and immersed in the weirdness of society yeah there's a lot of it weird as in bad and good so hexon shift is kind of in the abstract i I write most stuff in abstract but it it can be interpreted from several different angles but it's generally all societal issues or sometimes an issue of looking at the, the dominant submissive roles either in society or sexuality yeah both of those which kind of tie in it's all human so that's right (laughs) so so do you guys um do you layer the music first like what's the process of recording it recording it like how's that go i make a drum beat generally yeah and have a vocal melody and sometimes a bass line and then let tim and he plays it for me and says go (laughs) yeah there's a whole lot of editing generally at his behest and I have learned how he works more now so I do a lot of editing on my own time now and get it in a more usable form so he doesn't have to be like what the fuck is that <laughs> what 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 do you guys use what tools uh as far as programs or anything like that um for the music we just we do all of the hardware um Synthesizers. Like synthesizers, drum machines, um, sequencers. We record using them Pro Tools. Um, but yeah, we don't really use a lot of software as far as music creation or writing. No, not in the writing process. No. Do, you, do you record at home or do you record in the studio? Record mostly at home. Um, I know the last, on the record we did, I know he did some of the vocals at yeah. Pat, Pat Himes' studio. I'm a stickler oh, for man, vocal. He's great. I like to do my vocals at the studio if I can because I'm a stickler for those $20,000 microphones <laughs> I can't afford. <laughs> yeah, that, real love studios, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Patrick. Well, he's, he's a good, talented yeah. dude. Well, it's kind of cool because he'll be like, oh, here's what we should do. Let's run two mics and put one of those mics through a distortion pedal, some like shitty distortion pedal. And I'm like, okay. And it ends up sounding great. <laughs> for vocals I'm like he's good at thinking yeah of things like that he box. definitely he definitely knows his equipment too so he knows yeah. like he has things because he knows that he can use it for certain things like that broken we use a broken ass piano in there it was all out of tune and it just sounded so great for the, the song that we needed it on and I think it's inversion right yeah which we'll be playing later but it was like oh let's use that that thing sounds awful let's use it and it just sounded perfect so, nice. nice. He's like, it's out of tune. I was like, that's why we want to use it. <laughs> so. That's cool. Any any last words about that track? Hexon Shift? Yeah. No. Other than people should listen to it. That's right. Well, they just, they, <laughs> they did just a second ago. So let's let's get to this this next track. And I, in my notes, I wrote, I love breaking it whole. Oh. Excellent. So yeah, man. This like especially on the headphones that Tim's got. Um, they're extra bass headphones. Yeah. And I was, t- I told my wife, I was like, here, check this out. Listen, listen to the, listen to the music. And she's like, yeah, it's not my type of music, but I can see what you, what you appreciate about it. But the way you layered it, dude, and the way that you guys have the song, I was like, man, this is, this is some good stuff. Oh, thank you. So, uh, go, go ahead and introduce it and then, uh, take a, take a pause and we'll play it. The song is called Breaking It Whole. <laughs> Breaking it whole. 
That song had a long travel. Yes, that song went um, through a lot of changes. We were doing that song when we were doing Dementia Precox. That was one of the, probably the, well, it was one of the first ones that I heard when it I came was. on board. It was the first one I wrote for Dementia. And uh, it just, I have so many versions of that. We just kept throwing it away and rewriting it, throwing it away and rewriting it. Recorded it, I don't know how many times, but. Oh, one day I was working on a whole new song, is what happened, and. I couldn't get a vocal melody, and I just started singing the breaking whole vocal melody over top. I was like, oh my god, that just works. So that became <laughs> the final version <laughs> of breaking it whole. That song's definitely about uh, domination and submission through sexual relationships, for sure. I mean, it's about, about giving someone the power to, you know, control your every thought, essentially. That Which has happened personal to all, experience? It's happened to all of us, hasn't it? I mean, <laughs> who hasn't it happened to? I mean, the only you can hope. Yeah. Is, is there a specific thing behind? No, just in general. Just I in mean, general, the power. There's a lot of power struggles in relationships, whether it's love, love, man, woman dynamic, or whether it's parental dynamic. There's yeah. just all kinds of. Or ways just to your your waiter at the restaurant. Yeah, all kinds of. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, any any last words about breaking a hole? Mm. No. Yeah, All right. I don't know. <laughs> well, let's uh, let's go ahead and do inversion. Inversion. Let Tim strike it up on this one. Uh, Got to introduce it. Yeah, introduce, oh, it. introduce it. Um, this song is called <laughs> Inversion. Because you talked, you touched on it briefly. Yeah, inversion was. We had kind of finished our record. We thought we were going to do like an EP, just self-release it, like maybe eight songs, and uh, then we got picked up by this label in Italy, uh, EK Product, and they wanted just more songs. So we were kind of on a deadline, and inversion started out as just uh, some weird sound experiments I had, just weird drones and noises and 
just kind of layered on top of each other. And I threw some beads on it. And then originally I thought it was just going to be just that. Um, and then I ended up throwing some keyboards on it. And then he just had a bunch of vocal ideas. And we went to Pat's studio to record those vocals where he had just, he, I guess he just bought this new piano and it just got moved in and it wasn't tuned or anything. And we were just playing around with it, waiting for things to get set up. So this has got to go on this track. It sounds awesome. Yeah. Um, it's like on the, on the record, you can hear it's kind of like a one channel. It's, it's, it's a synthesizer and the other channel, it's the piano, like running through, I think a microphone through distortion too. Yeah. And, it, uh, it just kind of almost sounds like the same thing. It's kind of weird that we were able to get something really synthetic and something really live and acoustic, and it sounds like almost the same sound. Yeah. It's definitely got a similar warble going on, for sure. Out-of-tune warble, I yeah. guess. Yeah, it turned out to be a great track, and definitely a uh, relief on the album from the sonic barrage of kind of like... I mean, it's still a dark track, but it's... It's a breather. Kinda. It's less dense. Less dense. It's a yeah, lot it's more, more open. It's kind of mellow. Or yeah, I I loved it how it came out, and it was like thrown together too. Like Tim said, just thrown together. Sometimes those are the best. Yeah, tracks. right. I mean, yeah. So yeah, some sometimes the best ones I've heard are ones that are quick and and sometimes that those are the greatest songs. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so before we get into this track that we're going to go out with, which is Turn to Zero, um, do you guys have, uh, go ahead and let people know where they can find your social media, where they can find website, where they can locate your music, or if you guys have any live shows uh, sometime after July? It's our next show, August 11th. Oh, that's perfect. With uh, um, Pig down in Cincinnati. Wow, that's a that's a big show. How'd that that's come about? We just got asked. To do <laughs> We've been asked to do a few big shows down there with like uh, Simlish Twenty Three and things like that. And yeah, they asked us to join on the Pig Show, which is cool. Oh, well, probably not the mic. They asked us to join on the Pig Show, which is cool. So wow. Um, yeah, you can find us. I mean, we're on hexadiode.com. I don't know if bands still do websites, but we have one. Um, find us on ekproduct.com, which is our record label that picked us up. And then uh, I mean, we're on Facebook, Instagram. Twitter, I guess. Just it's all hexadiode. If you do a Google search on hexadiode, that's all it's going to come out. That's right. Us. So we're the only uh, thing called hexadiode because we made it up. Right, we made it up. Yeah, yeah, uh, intentionally so that we'd be the only thing that came up. <laughs> I, I, I don't think we ever got to how, how it came about. Like, how did how did that name come about? I just kind of forced it on everybody. We um, wanted to use hex. Like, Where did it come somehow? from? Well, we like I think we were. When we decided, like, the two of us and Eric had decided we were going to probably just do the three of us and have a new band, and we were, it was just like a, it was like weeks of just people like, how about this, how about this, how about this, and... How about Peter Duster? Yeah, yeah like, it's, work. whenever you're naming bands, like, it's always just, like, devolves into this, like, list of a hundred joke things, yeah, like, yeah. it's hard to take serious, because every band name is every band name, and, uh... So at some point we just started deciding on like a couple like the word hex kind of started sticking like one like something hex or hex something and uh, I was trying to keep it more like associated with electronics so I was trying to jam it together with diode which is just like a electronic component right and uh, yeah we just kind of went back and forth and then I think it became like a week of of diode hex hex diode and then eventually it was just like hexa diode one yeah. word i think somebody was trying to make it two words that was, that was probably me i wasn't having it it's yeah. gonna be one word one word is, works better and you said it right we uh I, I i always thought it was kind of i mean i know it's made up but it seemed kind of obvious to me but yeah we've been called lots of weird things hexa, it's cool hexa diode hexa duida hexa duida yeah uh, there's lots of <laughs> weird things yeah, like it, it's definitely one of those that you know. There's a few band names from the Dayton area where it grabs me instantly, and I'm like, "Oh man, that's that's unique." Uh, and uh, yeah, it's it's stuck with me ever since ever since I stumbled upon you sweet. guys. 
Yeah, yeah. That's it was what like, I like to hear. I think Dark Boys was already taken. Dark Boys. Dark Boys. Blood Dudes was done. <laughs> Blood dudes. Um, no, these are, these are all things I'm making up again. Uh, although, if somebody makes some cool bands from those, you know. Well, actually, Blood Dudes was uh, Jeremy Frederick and, and Ian Kaplan and I were driving to somewhere, I think Columbus, to see. I think we were seeing a show, probably Enon. And, uh, and on the way there, we were playing Liar's record, actually. It was uh, their second their second one. The, the, we were dead before they drowned. I, I'm not good with words and names. Uh, the second record is a song. The guy's just... Hello, everyone. This is Izzy Rock at the end of the Hexadiode podcast. Unfortunately, something happened at the end of the podcast with uh, my Zoom H6 recorder. It just turned off. And it did that at Dayton Sideshow, and we lost a couple hours of content. Right now, I'm just running it with a battery instead of having it plugged in, so we'll see if that changes anything. But thank you for listening to this Storyteller episode with Hexadiode. I apologize for not being able to have them finish the podcast themselves, um, but they were great guests, good dudes. I want to thank them for being a part of it. If you guys like anything that you hear on the Gym City Podcast, please go to our website and look it up. You can check out all the various other podcasts that we've done. We featured so many different musical artists from in and around the area. So with that being said, let's end this podcast with the track Turn to Zero. Please go to hexadio.com for more information about this band. And go check them out on Facebook. Here is Turn to Zero. Oh, 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 oh,
Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.